Hello, everybody, and welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered. It's my podcast. You can check us out on the Fox Sports app if you're watching via your favorite podcast app. Uh, we're also on YouTube with Fox Sports, so you can check us out there. Today, I'm very honored to have my friend Matt Kenseth join me. He's been in the news a bit lately, surprisingly, I think, for a lot of people. No one saw that one coming, but Matt, it is so cool you're back. Congratulations on your new opportunity, and I'm looking forward to watching your race again. Uh, thanks. I appreciate that. I just got a quick question before we start on the serious stuff. You said it's called Michael Waltrip Unfiltered? Yes. You've never had a filter. As long no, as and, I, and, I, and I don't have one in this show. Oh, okay. I thought you were acting like you took it off for this show. I was like, it's not one to take off. <laughs> okay. anyway, um, yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm super excited to be back, honestly. It um, was a very unexpected opportunity. I didn't really see it coming. And uh, certainly a lot of dis- different circumstances, you know, around the sport and the schedule and society and all this stuff right now. And um, Man, I was like, after thinking about it for a while and talking to Katie about it for a while, I was like, I got a shot to go get him some really good equipment and go uh, go see if I can, uh, you know, make make it happen. So it's another shot at that, which, uh, like I said, it was kind of unexpected. And I was, uh, uh, you know, thankful that they, they gave me the offer to go try it and uh, decided to go for it. What, what, was it, what was it like that when your phone rang and it was Chip or, or how did this all Tell me the back side of the story. How did it all come to be, and what was the first uh, hint you got that they were interested? Well, uh, Max Jones called me, which I've known Max for a long time. He used to, to he used to be a general manager at Roush for a while when, when I was racing there, and um, he's been with with Chip for a long time. And uh, Max and I are, are pretty decent friends. And uh, you know, he called me. It wasn't really that long ago, a couple weeks ago now only, and um, you know, said that you know they need a driver, which I kind of heard, and uh, he said I was on top of their list. Although. No matter who they call, they're going to tell them that, right? And I'd be like, well, you're fifth on our list. The first four said no. But anyway, he, uh, um, you know, kind of told me a little bit about it. And I, I kind of just like, all right, well, let me think about that. And I'll call you back. And, uh, you know, kind of thought about it for a couple of days. And uh, Katie and I were talking about it. So I called him back with about 100 questions. And then, um, you know, from there, it really didn't take that long. I talked to Chip on the phone a couple of times. And um, I talked to Kurt a little bit. And um, just seemed like it was the, the right opportunity, the right time. I just felt like the timing was great. Um, it, was a, it was a great opportunity that you don't really get very often. Um, typically, when they make driver changes or crew chief changes, that stuff, typically it's because the performance isn't there, right? I mean, that's usually why they make a change. And, um, you know, this isn't the case. They're performing really well. Kurt's performing well. Um, you know, Kyle was running good. And uh, they just needed to put a driver in that team. So I felt like everything is already there to run good with. And um, and like I said, it just seemed like a great opportunity. And with the, the schedule most likely being condensed and doing a lot of racing, it just um, it just seemed like it was it was right. You know, I love Kurt Busch. And I don't, I don't know if you could have a better teammate to, to walk in, you know, fresh off of a couple years off to, to have Kurt be your guy. I think that's, that's perfect. Don't you? Only one year off. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> forever. I've missed you. <laughs> so, so Kurt's yeah, going to be yeah, a great teammate. Yeah. So, certainly, uh, you know, when you look at all the, you know, positives and negatives and you try to weigh it out and, you know, the, obviously the, the first thing you weigh out is the effect it's going to have at home, right? You got to make sure that that's right. And Katie's on board and the kids are on board. You got, you know, you got to go through that. And then, you know, the, you know, the, the crew chief is important and the, the team and the, you know, just the whole thing, but, but only being a two car team, your teammate is a huge part of that as well. And, you know, I had some experience working with Kurt. Um, I've always said it, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a better teammate than Kurt. I've had a lot of teammates that are really, really great. Um, 
you know, and I can't say he's necessarily better than them, but, but he's, he's a great teammate. Like everybody's like, who's the best teammate you ever had? I'm like, I can't pick just one, but I tell you, you know, Kurt comes to mind as, as being one of the best a guy can have. I mean, he's, he's honestly, he's not selfish. He works really, really hard as racing comes first. None of, there's nothing else that comes before racing um, until all his race work is done. Um, you know, he's very unselfish. Uh, he's, he'll do anything to help you out. So um, that was a big part of it as well. I knew that, you know, how we communicated, I knew that, even though it was quite a while ago, you know, kind of like how he liked his car to feel compared to mine. So I thought that would make it, you know, easier to, to, to communicate and kind of see what he likes and, and what I like. So there was a lot of uh, that definitely uh, weighed into it. What was it like when you uh, approached Katie? Did you say you're not going to believe this? Uh, what do you think? Or, or what was her first reaction? How did that go? Well, I mean, you know, this year it'll be uh, December. It'll be our 20th wedding anniversary. So we, we've, uh, um, you know, as, as you know, it's a, any marriage is a partnership. And, and um, you know, I, I talked to her about it, you know, before anything. You know, as soon as the kids go to bed, I showed her that Max called. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably call Max back tonight and see, see what's up. I wonder if he's calling about 42. And, and uh, so she was sitting out there when I called him back and talked to him for a while. And then we discussed it for a couple of days and called him back and discussed it for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know for sure she's on board. And like, like I told her, I was like, man, you know me better than I know me. You know, we're we ready to go do this. And I, I've been I've been kind of chopping at the bit the last three or four months, honestly, and then kind of kind of kind of got the itch again to go racing and, and, and have that, uh, you know, competitive fire. And I fed some of that last year with, you know, training and running those marathons and like that used up a lot of time. And that was kind of my thing I was doing for competition. And, um, you know, right now we've been home for eight weeks and there's no races of, of any kind. And I was like, man, if there's ever a chance to get back in and, and be totally rested and totally ready and give it a hundred percent, this is a great time. What, um, how the kids and Katie, how are y'all doing? What, what, What's it been like for your family with um, with the situation we're we're living right now? Yeah, I'm, I tell you, I mean, there's a lot obviously that's that's bad in the world right now and is scary and um, a lot of things that people can't do, a lot of people suffering, um, you know. But I think you always got to try try to find the, the silver lining. And I, I know for us, for sure, it's been uh, all the family time we've had. I mean, we we haven't. Um, you know, kids haven't left here in almost almost nine weeks. We went through a drive through birthday party the other night. We've pretty much been been here, whether it's in the pool or playing on the playground or being outside or homeschooling or whatever. So I'd say that it's all been, um, that aspect of it's been really, really good. Now I'm, I'm ready for things to get somewhat back to normal. I know our, our kids, uh, certainly miss their teachers and, um, they miss their friends at school and their organized sports and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I can tell it's starting to get to them a little bit. They're kind of ready to get back and do some of that, but I'd say, I'd say overall our time together has been, been really, really good. I think we've learned a lot about each other and um, the girls have certainly all got closer because none of them are ever gone doing different sports and activities. Like all four of them are together all the time. And, um, and, and yeah, there's been some battles and some fights, but overall they're, uh, they're getting along good. Well, that's good to hear. Now let's, uh, let's flip the switch here. You're going to go racing. And um the the last time you were in a race car that I'm aware of was an awesome race up in Wisconsin in, in the late models where you took on Todd Majeski and got the got the big win late. Um, that that was a great race and really fun to watch. How cool was that for you to get in the car and go win? <laughs> well, it's always fun to win. That's why we do this, right? But uh, yeah, Slingers, uh, as you know, is a lot of fun. Um, Ty is really, really good in those late models up there. And, uh, and he had us beat pretty bad. He was really, really fast in a long run. 
Uh, we were pretty good on a short run, but after 10 or 15 laps, he would, he would kind of start walking a dog pretty good. So we got into that last hundred and, you know, I kept up as long as I could. And I just kind of slowed down and, and, and say the tires, cause he was so much faster. I wasn't going to beat him. And uh, we just got fortunate. Honestly, we got a, a caution with like 15 to go and I was all over him. We we're still side by side. And we got another caution with, and he was just starting to pull away. And uh, then we got another caution with only like four or five to go. And that kind of, that kind of played in their hands. I was able to kind of stay in there on the restart and keep, uh, keep putting the pressure on him. He, uh, he bumped the wall a little bit down the back stretch on the white flag lap. And, and, and that let me pull up alongside him even and was able to uh, make the pass in the last corner. So that was fun. And then uh, the next month though, we went to Madison and we finished fourth and I think he won by a straightaway. So he's, uh, they got their stuff together up there and pretty fast. Yeah. I love that kid too. I mean, he's so fun to race and his background in late model racing and I racing he's, he's gotten on the main, on the, on, on the NASCAR big stage, I think because of his I racing fame, but you know him as a great short track racer. And that was a, a great battle. Like you said, um, when, when you think about, you get this opportunity, how about the fact that they're saying, okay, Matt, welcome back to the cup series. We're going to go run Darlington twice. Um, you've got to be, you've got to be a little bit intimidated by what, what's, what you're faced with here right off the bat. You know who should be intimidated is like the, the immediate eight drivers that have to start next to me. Those are the ones I should be worried. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not intimidated to run Darlington and do all that. And I really don't know um, the weekend schedules or how it's going to work. But um, if there's no practice, that's going to be pretty, pretty nerve wracking because as you know, I mean, there's so many things you work out, you know, throughout testing, throughout practice, throughout, you know, you, you know, days, weeks, years of experience with your crew, you know, how they like your steering to feel, how you like the brakes, what kind of race balance you like compared to maybe your teammate or the former driver, just so many things to work out. Um, not to mention having a seat and all your stuff fit perfect. I mean, as you know, you could be sitting in a shop and you're like, man, everything feels perfect. And you might get in the car and run a few laps and you're like, oh man, there's got a spot there or the pedal I can't, you know, isn't smooth. I can't get the gas pedal right or whatever it may be. So um, I think that's the part that probably concerns me more than anything. I think if we get to the track and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, make a, make a couple runs and, you know, stand lead lap with everything working better and then hopefully get, get competitive you know, by the end of the race. So the races are, uh, are long enough, but you have to, you know, get through that beginning and get everything sorted out and hope everything's close. Well, this is what I love about this story. The fact that you're going to return and go to Darlington. Um, the first time you ever were in a cup car, you, you, you drove Bill Elliott's car, right? At Dover. Dover, yeah. And finished six, never been in one before. That that was a tremendous accomplishment, and that challenge was probably equal to to what you're going to be faced with when we get down to Darlington. Yeah, that that was a really fun weekend. I mean, it was sad circumstances with uh, Bill's father dying and him going back, but uh, to drive that car with Mike Beam and, and Joe Groney and that group, we had a uh, uh, we had a lot of fun. We we're pretty competitive, and um, just it was pretty carefree. There was no pressure. You know, nobody. Uh, I didn't expect to drive that car. You know, nobody really expected me to run very good. Um, I didn't know what to expect. So that was, um, that was just one of those really, really fun races. I don't know that, you know, a cup race has ever been that, you know, fun as far as carefree, no stress, not, you know, like all the stuff that there's nothing that went along with it, right? Nothing to stress out about. You're just like, Oh, you know, a half hour before they asked you to drive the car and you walked down there and drove it and had, you know, got to know everybody, didn't know anybody. And, um, you know, so that was, that was a good time. That was pretty neat. That car had uh, McDonald's on it. Now we have McDonald's on the car again, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think, I think it's gonna be really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. It's as excited as I've been about racing in a long time. Um, 
I want to, I want to talk about when you showed up because I was, you know, I'd been around for a while and I hadn't won anything. Um, and I kept seeing these kids, you know, come to NASCAR and get these great opportunities and go to victory lane. And I just, I was envious. I was a bit jealous. I was also mad at myself that I couldn't figure it all out. But when you showed up, I think the first, um, I, I know, I, I don't, don't check me for facts, but I, I think one of your first races, you were running third in a bush race and, and you maybe had an issue late, but the, from the day you showed up, you, you've been a winner. You've raced right up front from the beginning. And I, I liking you to, to, Martin Truex a little bit. Remember when he came down from Jersey and jumped in Dale Jr.'s car? He just, bam, he was he was a winner and, and ran right up front. And Mark Martin, you know, Mark Martin was, was a great racer as soon as he came to NASCAR back in the 80s. And Mark Martin was a great racer when he left at 53 or 54 years old. I, I say all that to say- Oh, to man, you, I got a long time left. Yeah. <laughs> I say all that to, to ask you, like, uh, I raced with you at Swinger and in, in Madison back when you were 16 or 17 years old. So you were on the map, but I had Dale Jr. on my podcast the other day and we were talking about our paths to NASCAR and the, the advantage, quite honestly, we had getting there. And that was, you know, my brother and his dad, you didn't have any of that. And um, obviously there's a lot of people like Robbie Riser that helped you along the way, but it's pretty awesome what you did. And, and all, what all you've accomplished, championships, uh, and, and coming from just a – you should be the inspiration to any short track racer in America because that's, that's, that's who you are. You're a short tracker that, that was able to find his way to the top. Well, I mean, a lot of it is good fortune. You know, I've had a lot of great car owners through the years in the late model ranks and, and what have you, you know, because, you know, Dad and I, I mean, obviously, you know, our fathers is what got most of us all started in racing and started racing with him at the local short track and my uncles raced and all that stuff. But, you know, we weren't going to get much farther than that, you know, not from a wealthy family where we we're going to afford to build ASA cars or something and go racing. So, um, you know, through racing and racing with my dad and fortunately winning some races and we catch some other people's eye, you know, like Freddie Nielsen or Mike Bucks or whoever let me go drive their cars different places in the state or some ASA races, Arco races, that type of thing. So, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously the big break was to come down and drive for risers. And, and again, it's all about, um, at least for me, I just feel like a lot of things are about the opportunities and, and timing. And uh, just like this one, I knew the timing and the opportunity, what it was. It just, I just knew it was the right one. And I, and most of the time throughout my career, I've been fortunate because I've typically in a short period of time known whether it's, it's the right one or, or not the right one. If it's meant to be, it kind of all happens and lines up. If it's not, it doesn't. And, you know, with risers, it was interesting. I was in, um, I was in the South down here running a couple of late model races and we had a week off and I went by risers bush shop and, uh, Robbie was never really a fan of mine. We raced together and we kind of butted heads and, but we were right down the road and I was like, you know, we should just stop in and see him. So he just kind of dropped in and just asked if he was there and he was really nice and showed us around the shop and showed us some of the cars and did that. And we, you know, kind of hung out for a little bit and, and left and that was about it. And, um, it wasn't much later than that. We were down racing at uh, Orange County and, um, you know, he called me right after the race and asked me if I'd drive down to Denver and stop, you know, as, as a shop in Denver, North Carolina, we're on our way back to Wisconsin. So I did, and him and his dad were sitting there and, and the current driver they had was, was they were having some trouble. He was crashing a lot and they didn't have, you know, much for cars. And Robbie asked me if I wanted to drive that, drive their, their bush car. 
And I was like, well, when? They're like, well, next weekend in Nashville. And I was like, ooh, I got some commitments and stuff. And they're like, here, why don't you sit in this car and see how the seat fits? So I'll never forget this. I go sit in the car and I had the tail knocked off. So it just got backed into the wall somewhere. So I'm getting fit in a car that's wrecked. They didn't have, I think there's only one car in the shop that wasn't wrecked. And um, so I drove home and thought about it a little bit. And um, I was like, you know, I just got to take the chance. Cause I don't think I'm ever going to get another opportunity. I mean, they weren't really running that great at the time and all that. But um, I went, went down to Nashville. Me and my dad drove down there and met up with Robbie and John and, um, kind of ran that, that first practice. And it was funny. I knew like a half hour in that it was going to work really well. You know, like Robbie and I kind of spoke the same language and the way he would organize things. And like, um, you know, through the years, you meet with a lot of people that, that really don't, um, maybe, maybe they don't totally buy in. Right. Robbie was like one of those guys that just buys in. He's like, well, if this is what driver's telling me we need, this is what we need to do and, and would do it. So we had, um, you know, great communication. We started off, we ran really well there. Um, we got, we got spun out early. I can't remember. We came back. I think we finished in the top 10, but I can't remember. And then it was only the next week. So it only been my third Bush race ever. I ran Talladega and that's why I ran with you. You, you had the, the, the band-aid car. I think you were driving maybe, um, at, at Talladega. So we, we ran there and that was a, that was an eye opener, but, um, you know, we had ups and downs that year, but that was our first year. And that was certainly my, my big break. Well, and, and Robbie had good cars and, and it was obvious soon y'all got together that, that, you know, the chemistry was there and it was, it was a great result result. Um, talk about your first win. And, and it was very dramatic, a late race battle with, uh, with Tony Stewart. Is, do I remember that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was Rockingham in 98. So it was interesting. So 97 was my first year. I started in April. We ran about two thirds of the schedule. And then 98 was supposed to be our first full-time year together. Well, Meanwhile, to back up a little bit, in 97, I met Mark Martin. I met him at the second Talladega race at the driver's meeting, and he came up and introduced himself and uh, told me he was a fan of mine and, and you know, kind of started talking. And then he called me not there long after and, and got me introduced to, to Roush, and they got me, a you know, a, like a developmental contract just to kind of hang out. And then he's like, man, they're going to take you eventually, you know, cup racing. I'm like, all right, you know, and talked to Robbie about it all before we did it. And, um, so we were just kind of, you know – but mainly I would just hang out. I go with them and test and, you know, they let me do the speedway test, but also I pretty much hung out and asked Jimmy Fanning a million questions all the time and just kind of, um, you know, tried to watch and learn as much as I could for a year or two. So anyway, during the winter in 97, uh, Roush helped uh, risers get a sponsor and it was like two weeks before Daytona and the sponsor pulled out. So family owned team, not a ton of money and, and really didn't have a sponsor. And, and, uh, we went to Daytona and, uh, um, somehow found one race sponsor while we were down there and um, they actually let let them take the car out of the track across the street to a body shop and paint it and we put that uh, Lycos on there ran Daytona and then we went to um, I think we finished six maybe or something then we went to Rockingham the next week with no sponsor and uh, we put them on there just as like goodwill being like hey thanks for doing Daytona because we didn't have mm-hmm. any and the guys are all in generic uniform some people had different crew uniforms on because they didn't uh, um we didn't have our own. And, um, I had this generic, uh, pyrotech uniform on. It was like a foot too short, you know, it was halfway up your ankles. And anyway, we went there and we were pretty competitive and we, we ran good all day and caught Tony with about, about 10 to go. And, um, we raced hard and I couldn't figure out how to get around him. I was a little clumsy. I hit him in the door once and there's some lap cars at the end and just that last corner, you know, Rockingham was, you could grab that line just right in three and four. And you can almost feel it like it was yesterday. You know, I drove in there and he didn't necessarily miss the line, but he didn't hook it. You know, it wasn't when he hook it. Well, I went kind of slow in there in the left front, grabbed it and it hooked, hooked it. 
as soon as I hooked it, I just floored it. And it just had the left rear in it too, and it stuck perfect. And it came out there and just, uh, um, if it hit him, it just barely nudged him. I kind of got air off and moved him up the track and just passed him coming the line. So it was uh, um, still like the best race I ever ran, right? Like I, everybody's like, what was your best win ever? I'm like, there's no way anything could ever beat that. So uh, none of us expected it. We were, you know, we only had like seven people. Everybody had to go over the wall that worked at the shop. And, um, and that, was, that was a pretty cool time. And because of that, that sponsor came on for the rest of the year and uh, gave us enough funding to, to, to run the whole season that year. So, um, you know, that definitely, uh, that definitely kicked everything off. It's funny you say about hooking that line at Rockingham. I haven't raced in a hundred years and I can, I can remember hooking it and having that car just go, oh, oh. I mean, it bounced, you know, just running right up off that corner. It's a great feeling. Like you said. Yeah. It's almost like, almost like Atlanta three and four, you know, you miss that thing and you're like two tenths slower, you know, when you hit it and, um, it just has that feel and, and you know how it was like, you go up around it and you're okay. But if you just missed it by a little bit, it was all wore out. And if you grabbed it, man, it had that grip. And like I said, I still like all these years later, I still remember that exact corner, you know, turning in there and feeling like grabbed that line. As soon as it did, it was like a light bulb went off your head and you're like, I need to floor it. You know, and it just like, it just dug around there. So it was, uh, uh, that was, that was a fun race. Like I said, that was, that was, nothing could ever top that one. And um, your relationship with Dale Jr. Y'all became really, really good friends and, and respected each other's abilities, but more than that, friends, that that's pretty cool to, to come from where you did and, have sort of similar backgrounds in the fact that you were short track racers and then you both made it to, to NASCAR. Yeah, it was fun. You know, we started, um, you know, Bush series racing together and, um, you know, spent, spent a lot of time doing that and, um, um, started in cup together and we were going to end in cup together, but that kind of changed, I guess. Uh, so, um, we, we had a good time through the years, especially the first couple of years. It was just, it was so fun to have to experience a lot of things for the first time. And um, it was always interesting for me to watch Dale because it was just like, especially at that time in the sport, he was just so popular. Like he couldn't, it didn't take long in his career. I could tell to start weighing on him, the, the popularity. There was a lot of it that was big advantages and he took, took advantage of, the, of those advantages. Um, but also like, man, I mean, you couldn't, you know, he's always having to walk in front of the haulers to so many people that would just kind of surround them, get into the car and like doing all that. And I could tell it didn't take long at all. That, that was kind of a toll and kind of some pressure on him. And um, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, Dale had just an incredible career, especially considering all the distractions he always had, you know, I mean, that has to be tougher than, you know, if there's half that many people and you can just concentrate on just the racing and doing all that stuff. So he always had a lot going on he had a ton of pressure being, being Dale's kid, obviously. And I always thought he did a great job handling that. He was always super down to earth, never really acted like he was better than anybody else. And, um, always worked hard at it. So, uh, enjoyed being his friend all the time and always enjoyed racing against him too. Yeah. And, and he's, he's not changed today either. You know, he was, he did the podcast with me a couple of weeks ago and talked about the fact that, you know, when he was a kid trying to figure out, all you want to do is be a racer, but was like, am I going to be any good at it? Do I know what I'm doing? And uh, it's, it's funny. He said, you know, my, my dad really wouldn't help me with my car. I didn't know anything about a car. And I was like, your dad never even introduced you to Mr. Ackerman, I bet. And he said, no, hell, I didn't know what any of that stuff was. <laughs> uh, but, but your background, he worked on cars and you did as well. Um, it's, it's crazy to me how similar it is and, and how, uh, you looked you looked buttoned up from the beginning, and and he looked like he was kind of lost for a while. But but you both got it together. It just tells you how cool it is um, 
what, what you accomplished and, and that he's a dear friend of yours. So I appreciate that. When, when, um, when I f- first met you a long time ago, um, we played a softball game together and I remember someone hit one down the right field line and I didn't know you were an athlete. You took off after that ball (laughs) running a hundred miles an hour, snagged the ball and caught it. I was like, damn, Matt can get it done. You talked about, (laughs) talked about the marathons and uh, you've, you've done a great job of staying in shape, 48 years old, obviously totally physically prepared for this opportunity. Um, The marathons, tell me about what, what made you um, first want to do that, accomplish a marathon? Yeah, so it's funny. So, so Jimmy probably got me involved in physical fitness probably more than, more than anybody else. I'd say, I'd say Jason, uh, Jason Ratcliffe, we bought mountain bikes together. I started mountain biking when I started at, at Gibbs. And then, then really Jimmy, you know, I hate to say he pressured me, but we mountain biked together. We had a group and it was really fun. It was fun socially and it was a great workout. And then, uh, um, they finally talked me into getting a road bike and then him and I used to start riding on weekends and it was great, uh, great socially. And I found that the physical aspect of it was, was really, really good for my mental state, especially later in my career. And, you know, you're on the road so many weeks and, you know, you're so much downtime, like a lot of, I think, you know, I remember I met some musicians they're like, man, you got to learn to read because there's just so much downtime where you just being a fan you just think it's a party all the time right you're a rock star it's just a part but they sit around all day every day and they're on the road and they're waiting for the show to start so i kind of get that a lot of it the the mental part would kind of drain on you being in the bus and just watching tv or doing whatever you're doing so um when we started going out and exercising some together and going riding our bikes and seeing different parts of the areas that we were racing in and stuff it was just really good for me mentally so um and then i guess after i stopped racing um looking for competitive stuff to do um, I've always been a really competitive person, obviously. Uh, but, but anyway, to get how the marathon thing came around, Katie's friend uh, was trying to run all the majors. And she talked to Katie and said, hey, why don't you guys, you know, put your name in for the lottery draw for Berlin? And so now this would be a year and a half ago already. And uh, so Katie put, our, put both of our names in there and told me after the fact she put our names in there. And I was like, well, you know my personality. You know if I get drawn, drawn that I'm going to work as hard as I can. We're going to do the training right and I'm going to go race it. And she's like, yeah, I promise I'll do it with you if we go. But, you know, you got to give me a, a week in Europe after that. Because I've never been to Europe. You know, you, you, you think of racing all these years and all the traveling you do. But it's all in the United States. It's a lot of the same places you've been to a bunch of times. And I've just never traveled you know, overseas anywhere before. So that was one thing she really wanted to do when I, when I wasn't racing every week and, um, you know, take the kids places and, and, and go do things like that. And we traveled a ton last summer, but, um, so anyway, you know, both of our names get drawn. And then, uh, so we had a couple friends that were going to go with us. Plus that, that other friend of hers that was going to run it. And, uh, we just started training for 20 weeks. Uh, we put 20 weeks into it and, uh, you know, did everything from putting all the time in, you know, the running, the, the, the nutrition, um, just, just trying to do it all, trying to do it all right. And, um, so we decided to go do it. We both had a, had a good experience and then, uh, was able to hang out over the, for, for a week, which was just a great experience. We had a really good time, um, doing that. Just, just, just a really fun time. And then, um, I didn't do quite as well as I hoped. And then I had a spot in uh, New York, uh, about a month after that. And I went and followed up and, and did that as, as well. So, so it was fun. It was kind of, you know, gave you something besides all the normal stuff you do around here, you know, to kind of aim for and train for and build a schedule and kind of all the things you miss when you're not, when you're not racing anymore. 
and very competitive too. Just over three hours for a 26 mile marathon. That's a, that's something you should be very proud of. Yeah, I did uh, 307 in Berlin. My my goal, which was a very lofty goal, I think for my age and never doing one before, was three hours. Um, and we were in the middle of training for London before that got canceled. So I was kind of uh, I was trying to aim for that. Uh, but I was really impressed with Katie. Katie did it in 329. Wow. Which is pretty amazing. She's never even raced a half marathon before. And uh, that was her first uh, her first marathon. And, um, and so we had a great time training together. She said the race was miserable and she never wanted to do it again. But she did really, really good. And uh, we had a great time training together. It was a, it was a, it was a journey. And um, like I said, we honestly had a, had a great time. It was fun. We, you know, every night we'd go over our schedule and, you know, see what our, what our stuff was supposed to be and what we're supposed to get in the next day and kind of plan it all out together and go do, we did most of it together. Like our, our speed work, we go to the track at the same time. We'd be different speeds, but we're still at the track at the same time. We do all our recovery runs together and just, you know, um, you know, so we have a good time with that. You know what I love about the podcast? I was thinking to myself when you were talking earlier, I'm like, why the hell do they have a, a lottery draw to run the Berlin, Michigan marathon? <laughs> I totally thought you ran that Berlin, but. No, and uh, the best part was, is um, Oktoberfest was going on. So then it kind of, you know, it was in the middle of Oktoberfest. So then, so this is kind of funny, which I, I sort of regret this. I sort of don't, but so we, we stayed in. Um, so we left Berlin on a train. My, my friends, they like to travel a lot and we let them make all the travel plans and thank goodness we have them with because um, my friend's wife did an awesome job planning out everything we we're going to do. But like three hours after the marathon, we got on a train and took it all the way to Prague. And then we, we stayed there for, I don't know, three days or something. And then I can't remember where else we went, but we ended up in Munich and that's where we were going to fly back out of. Well, Oktoberfest was going on in Munich. And I gotta be honest, we went to so many places and had so much fun and uh, did all this stuff. And, and it was like the first night we got there, like, oh, we're not going to Oktoberfest tonight. We're you know, probably go tomorrow. Well, then it got to be tomorrow. We're like, does anybody really feel like going there? Because you kind of, I don't know if you've ever been there, but like it's, I don't know how many people it is, but all of this is all these big beer tents, I guess, and people dress, dressed up kind of funny. And um, just <laughs> act, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Like, I mean, just so many people you can't even imagine. And like, we all kind of agree. It's like none of us really felt like battling that. So we went to this um, – I don't know what they call them over there. I, I call it a brewery, but I'm not sure exactly what they're called. But this this one famous one, I can't remember the name of it, that my friend Morgan always wanted to go to. So we just went there instead. We just had hung out there for for a couple hours and never actually went to Oktoberfest, but we were uh, we were we were there during it before we flew home. So we saw a lot of a lot of really cool stuff. Um, getting back to the present, what what have you heard about what things are going to look like when we? NASCAR is going to announce today, and it'll, it'll be out by the time this is, this is shown, that um, we're going to race Darlington twice and Charlotte twice in the month of May. And then after that, who knows? What, what do you foresee as being the schedule? Two or three races a week as we go forward? Have you heard anything? Um, I'm actually looking over an email right now as you're talking. It says confidential. So let's see. When's this going to play? It's going to play Monday probably. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. What does it say here? It looks like Darlington, 17th, Darlington again on the 20th. And then Charlotte twice, I heard. Charlotte 24th and Charlotte 27th. Looks like that's all it's out. Well, to me, and as a short track racer from Wisconsin for you, it should I bet, I bet you're that's cool, right? You get to race a lot all, you know, all together at the same time. Yeah, you know, good you know, good, bad, and different, what, good, bad, ugly, whatever it ends up being, you know, your first race. And, and um, 
at least you only got to wait two more days or three more days to do it again, right? Like to go and uh, uh, try to try to make that happen. So uh, I think that'll be great for us. I think that, you know, it'll, it'll um, even though the races click by and all the points count, and you know, you want to get the best finishes you can and gather as many points as you can and be competitive. You know, no matter what, I think the the quicker we get, um, more time we get to spend together, the faster that happens, I think the faster we'll excel and the faster we'll learn and uh, the quicker my learning curve will be. I mean, I, I don't know that if you're just racing every weekend and you go do your debriefs on Monday or Tuesday and you, you know, go look through data and you go do all that and then you sit around four days waiting to race again. I mean, I'd rather get all that done in a day or two and then go race again, you know, and then try to learn there and then try to let that sink in and go learn again and go race again. So I really think for, for my situation, it's, I can't say it's perfect because um, on a normal weekend, you'd have a lot more seat time before you actually had to compete. Um, but, but doing them all right in a row, I think is, um, is a really good idea for a lot of reasons. Well, that's awesome. Uh, you remember that time at Pocono when you, I was running like fifth and you crashed me? No, I think that's a helmet right over your shoulder. Is that it? You got, you got to turn backwards so I can't tell. Uh, this one. Is that it? Oh, that's not it. No. That's an XM helmet. That's not. That's yeah, not. It looked like this one. And right on the shield, you, you <laughs> autographed it for me and you wrote, see this smudge? This is why I crashed you. Smudge messed up. You know, the funny thing about that is like, I, I still can't remember doing that. I know you told me and you tried to make up some, some edited video clip, but I just never, I never saw it. I remember it vividly. It was, it was <laughs> July 2005. You, you do have a good memory. Well, I remember that because I, I was surprised because I didn't think you'd ever really wrecked, you know, anybody much. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this, Mike, you're way bigger than me. And I'm sure if it happened the way you said it happened, I'm sure it was an accident. I, I agree, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for, thanks for letting me interview you and, and uh, good to see you back. And I'm really happy that, that I get to talk about Matt Kenseth on Fox NASCAR when we go racing. Oh, thanks. I'm looking forward to getting back to the track. And, uh, man, it's always good to see you. Yep, you too. Have a great uh, afternoon, and we'll see you in Darlington. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Matt. No problem, buddy. Well, that was fun. I didn't know I was going to catch up with Matt Kinsa this week, nor did I know that he was going to be back behind the wheel of a NASCAR Cup car. But that's really, really, really cool to me. I'm a big Matt Kinsa fan, have always been one. He's just a down-to-earth, humble great race car driver from the time he showed up the first time he hopped behind the wheel he was a winner competitive run right up front and uh, i think he's going to continue that i remember seeing him testing for the first time at rockingham and he was right out next to the wall just hauling the mail i said i don't know who matt kenseth is i thought he was just a wisconsin short track racer i didn't know he's old enough to be here yet but he's obviously very talented behind the wheel. And uh, it's been fun to watch him become the champion that he is. So thank you, Matt, for joining me on Walter Unfiltered. Be sure to tell your friends to go to Fox Sports YouTube page. They can watch our Walter Unfiltered podcast, see clips from it there. Also tell your friends to add us via their favorite podcast app. We're going to be here weekly having great guests and different stories to share with everyone. And I look forward to seeing who's next. How about that? Matt Kenseth ran the Berlin Marathon, not, not the Berlin Michigan. <laughs> what a great accomplishment and what a great athlete. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.